3rd, 2023rd. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Believe the gospel of salvation and go to heaven. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. God chastens, he disciplines those he loves. And to some, it will come off painful. It might come off as something we don't want. It might come off as something that goes directly against us and what we want, but that's what God does. The Proverbs are his wisdom. And if we seek God's wisdom and God's ways, whenever God does his things the way that he does them, we should expect the results that God wants to get. There are flaws and laws. <clears throat> Today I want to talk to you about all sorts of different things in politics. We're going to be talking about military industrial complex, Matt Gates and the speaker spat. AOC is getting an upgrade. This dude pulled some fire alarm. We're just going to go around the horn and we're going to end back where we started yesterday, which was President Trump's jury, or excuse me, juryless trial. The case that's going on there. We'll, we'll actually go in there. We'll investigate the things that are going on. But what I really just want to do is I want to bring the fundamental law, the Constitution, the maxims, into bear. We want to bring the fundamental, we want to apply the fundamental law to these situations. Now, I do this first and foremost as a method of evangelism. I want all things to be brought to the captivity of Christ, all thoughts captive to Christ. I want the gospel to be proclaimed. I want Jesus to be seen as Lord, and I want people to repent of their sin and believe the gospel so they go to heaven. And I believe that right now we have a big idol called government where people are afraid of government. And that fear is based on the fact that people do not know the law. So as a student of the fundamental law, as someone who looks to the state constitutions, the U.S. constitutions, the maxims, but most importantly the Bible, I'm going to bring that truth to bear. Hat tip to my coach and, and uh, teacher, brother in the Lord, Dave Jose, for bringing this type of information. You can find him at, at Real Dave Cares for You. Um, but the idea is, is pretty simple. Use the fundamental law and demand strict observance and challenge anybody in government or elsewhere to go against what you say. We don't interpret the law. We declare the law. We say what the law says and you watch the truth have its impact. Before we go there, I would appreciate if you go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, if you value the content here. The best way to support me is to do this, which is a win-win-win option. Take the shopping you're already doing, switch it over to an American manufacturing company. There, you get to take money out away from the globalists and you get direct product purchase products delivered right to your door, price competitive prices, no harsh or harmful industrial chemicals, and there's a way to benefit me for no, no other thing than to take your shopping to support an American company. There's other ways to support. There's links in the description below, but the patriotswitch.com slash Jaren is a blessing to me. God bless you. Thank you very much for those people who have already done that. And if you're on the fence, do it and we'll see. No harm, no foul. If it's not for you, amen. I want to start, if I can, with Maria Bartromo. And Maria Bartromo is talking to, uh, what's his face, DeSantis a couple days ago. We're going to play this. And then we're going, to see, uh, we're going to see where DeSantis makes a fundamental flaw. So go ahead. 
You just heard President Trump. He said that his VP candidate was not on that stage. Let me begin right there, Governor. If President Trump came to you and said, let's partner up, you'd be my VP. Would you do it? No, I'm, I'm running for president. We need somebody that can serve two terms. We need somebody that can win states like Georgia and Arizona, which President Trump cannot do or did not do, even though candidates like McCain and Romney had no problem winning those states. We need somebody who, and I'm the only one running, including Donald Trump, everything I've promised the voters that I would do as governor of Florida, uh, I've delivered on. We delivered ba uh, budget surpluses, paying down debt, tax cuts, school choice, parents' rights, banning sanctuary cities, expanding Second Amendment rights, all in all down the line. Uh, I promise and I deliver. And that's really what we need because the country is in decline. Uh, we can't just manage this decline a little bit better than the Democrats. We need to reverse the decline. But that means you've got to get in there and actually get all this stuff done. Uh, and I'm the candidate that, that can get, do that, and that's why I'm running. And I think that with all due respect to Donald Trump, uh, we're not going to beat the Democrats by adopting Joe Biden's basement strategy. Yeah. You can't just be missing in action. You've got to show up. Uh, you got to earn people's votes. Uh, and if you're not willing to do that, uh, voters will take notice uh, as we get closer to these contests. Now, that was a clip from was a, what that clip was from a couple days ago. He makes I can't talk. He makes the fundamental flaw of saying that Trump didn't win Arizona or Pennsylvania or Michigan. Trump didn't win those states. Now, you know my position. I believe that there was fraud and it was stolen. And this is where I believe that DeSantis is making a fundamental error because the majority of people believe that there was not good stuff happening in 2020. People might not be so, people might not have the integrity to go the fullest extent to say that the election was stolen. I will. I did the day of, the night that it was happening. I was, I told my son, they're stealing the election. People might not have that courage or that audacity but the majority of people believe that there was wrongdoing in the 2020 election. And whenever DeSantis says that Trump did not and cannot win Arizona and these other states, it goes against facts. It goes against what actually happened. But he's doing that so that he can position himself to what? Call Trump Biden? Biden's basement strategy? The dude has multiple court prosecutions, criminal cases against him. People are, the, the entire deep state is after him, and you're going to ding the guy because he won't stand on the stage with you despite pulling 50% above the next highest guy? Maybe DeSantis has never been in the position where he's just been the most dominant person, and he's acting like he's Trump's peer. He's not Trump's peer. Trump is the president. He was the guy that won 2020. And the ding the guy, just so you can kind of climb up a little bit of polls. The other way to look at this. If this type of argument is going to go into Trump supporters' ears and it's going to rattle around in our brains and we're going to say, oh, yeah, you're right. Trump can't win Arizona. Come on, dude. Come on, dude. More morons. Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, for whatever reason, President Trump, and this is, an, uh, this is evidence of President Trump's bad decisions, in my opinion, to support Lindsey Graham and to yoke with this dude, who I believe is homosexual. But this guy right here is a big supporter of big war. Here is Lindsey Graham a couple days ago advocating for more troops on the ground in Ukraine. Watch this. 
Have you asked uh, Donald Trump, your friend, to come out and publicly support more aid to Ukraine and to push some of these skeptical members of the Republican conference? I'll leave it up to him to what to do, but he wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Well, Vladimir Putin has been praising him for yeah, his well, comments about Russia and Ukraine. about President Trump. He did not pull the plug on Afghanistan, even though he wanted to. The biggest mistake we made since the war on terror is withdrawing from Afghanistan. To President Trump and anybody else, if we pull the plug on Ukraine, that's 10 times worse than Afghanistan. There goes Taiwan. To stop funding Ukraine is a death sentence for Taiwan. Putin will keep going. You missed all of World War II if you don't know how this uh, movie ends. To the Republicans who say Ukraine doesn't matter to us, you're wrong. Respectfully, you're wrong. The war gets bigger, not smaller. There goes Taiwan. If Ukraine can beat Russia, China's less likely to invade Taiwan and Putin gets stopped. Now, there's a couple different things I want to say here, and please hear my heart. World War II was America's peak. We were preeminent. We had won. The greatest generation demonstrated that a Christian nation, standing for value, standing for virtue, expressing itself and defending people, is great. Unstoppable force. No, no comparison. What happened really soon after World War II was that the powers at, in charge of those apparatus then started using it for their own good. Eisenhower himself warned in 1959 about the military-industrial complex. So whereas the greatest generation, the Christian, the Christian people in America who won World War II, very quickly were perverted or very quickly had people in positions of power pervert what happened, the victory therein, and start to distract and divert. You had communists creep in. You had people come into this nation and pervert it. Cultural wars, sexual liberation, all these types of things happened thereafter. The communists said that they would destroy America from within, and here we are. But notice that Lindsey Graham is appealing to this notion of World War II. And therein lies, I believe, the programming for the baby boomer generation. Baby boomers have been programmed that World War II and the world order after World War II is what we have to maintain. And in order to maintain that, that, will, that is what the military-industrial complex uses to justify military operations around the world. And so all anyone has to do is blow the dog whistle of, you guys know what happened in World War II, and just like that, their assumption is. These people's assumption, the globalist assumption, is that whenever they toot the horn of the dog whistle, when they toot the dog whistle of World War II global order, they're going to use the programming, the decades of programming, to get the baby boomer generation to snap an order. That regardless of whatever you think about stuff, you will, the thinking goes, the programming is supposed to get you to hear World War II, and to think, we don't want Nazis, we don't want Holocaust, we don't want all this stuff. And so whatever, it's like the same thing with Social Security. As soon as any politician says, well, this guy wants to defund your Social Security, God bless him, old people who are dependent on Social Security will snap right in line and they will hate whoever is trying to take their Social Security. It's a Pavlovian response. It's programming. 
it is, you know, it is the most reinforced uh, notions in our culture, in our politics. And so when someone starts to deviate away from the globalist order, the globalists will just push on that nerve. They will just play that tune. They will say the things that whenever they go into your ears, they will actuate training and programming that are decades old, and you will start behaving and you won't even recognize it. And, you know, I, I saw this because in the social security is a big one because our families have been frayed, marriage has been destroyed and the generations are no longer together. And as a result of this, any time that you threaten old people's money, and I say that, you know, with, with, with a mom on social security, I'm not trying to say old people as an insult. I'm trying to say that there are people who are, who are vulnerable and fragile, who are dependent upon the promises made to social security, the money that was taken from them. And the money was taken from them, and now they're made dependent on it because the families have been destroyed through sexual liberation and feminism. And as a result of this, God's order is no longer the focus. And because God's order is not the focus, the globalists are rightly able to program and touch, uh, you know, blow the dog whistle and to strike the nerve to get people to align. Oh, you're going to try to get people to be independent? You're going to try to build families back stronger again, you're going to have younger generations take care of their elders like the Bible tells them to? Okay, yeah, we're going to say that your politicians are threatening social security. And then what happens? Lockstep, every old person is going to go against whoever is threatening social security without fail. Without fail. It's, it's dog training, it's programming, and Lindsey Graham does the same thing here in matters of this World War II global order. As soon as someone threatens the global order, he's going to say, well, you all guys know what happened in World War II. And then people are going to be like, yep, we don't want that again. We'll support it. But here's the, short call. here's the shortfall. I don't believe that that programming is as influential as it once was. I, I give credit to President Trump. I give credit to veterans like myself who, whenever we got out of the military, we came back and said, this is stupid. We're killing people for no reason. Um, there, there's, there's been a, um, an awareness of America over the last 60 years for us to kind of recognize, okay, this doesn't make sense anymore. This literally doesn't make sense anymore. We were in Afghanistan for 20 years, and we didn't, there was no, nothing there. So I think that people are just more aware of it. Now, the reason why you won't have older folks on Social Security recognize this is because if they were to be deprived of Social Security, their families are afraid, their families are underneath the thumbs of tyrants, they're paying taxes to the IRS, they're doing all of these things, the families aren't together, and because the generations aren't together, the older folks on Social Security have nowhere else to go. So it's an easier off-ramp to repudiate the global order after World War II, we can repudiate that easier than we can the dependence on Social Security because whereas we don't want to go fight, so we can push that to the side, we can't, you know, older people, if they said, okay, I don't care about my, how are they going to get supported? So, so those things aren't completely analogous, but they're, they're close enough. Another uh, story today is that Matt Gates is going to call out the, uh, the chairman. They're going to go after Matt Gates. He's going to push. He has now made a, um, a motion to vacate the speaker. This is Matt Gates talking about it on Sunday. Watch this. So, so when, when do you make this move? Uh, you'll be seeing it this week. This week. Okay. That's why I came on the show this now, week. Now, now look, it, it takes only one person, obviously, you, uh, to, to call for a vote. Uh, to remove him, so-called uh, motion to vacate. But you would need a majority to remove him, which means you're going to need de Democrats to remove him. Do you really think that Democrats 
are going to vote to remove Kevin McCarthy because he made a deal with Democrats? No. I actually think Democrats are going to bail out Kevin McCarthy. So this is an exercise to show the American people who really governs you and how that governing occurs. So I'm on a mission to change it where we're evaluating these and bills independently. Kevin McCarthy is off making a secret deal on Ukraine as he's baiting Republicans to vote for a continuing resolution that doesn't include Ukraine. So the one thing Democrats, Republicans, the White House that we all have in common is that, Dem is that Kevin McCarthy at one point or another has lied to all of us. But if they want to keep him, then he belongs to them. Gates is an effective communicator. He's, re he's really good. I, I, I generally like Matt Gates. I think that he uh, doesn't have good morals. Um, but from a legislative perspective, he does the he does the spot of telling people what the grassroots, hardcore, conservative Republican position is, and so my bias favors him. But I think that he, <laughs> I think he needs to know Jesus. Um, the the issue here is that in the old school way of analyzing politics, the radical left, the right, right. The speaker is considered the most powerful position in the house because they're generally in charge of the house. Think of how far we have come from our constitutional order, the, the foundational law, the constitution, to now elevating the position of speaker as though it's like president part three or something like that. So you've got president, vice president, and the speaker of the house. It's an important position. It holds a lot of sway, but every Every member of the House of Representatives is, is elected by the same, generally, distribution of people. And so the first thing you have to recognize is that the custom that has grown the significance of the Speaker of the House has elevated that position above other members of the House. And that was to the contrary of what the founders intended. They expected it just because the power, people's tendency is to sin. Power's tendency is to uh, aggregate itself against the minority. And so they certainly expected it. But the fact that it is so significant to where you could say, you know, we're going to vacate the chair. The dude is just a servant. He's just a servant. But yet you've elevated, the, the we Americans have elevated this position to where it's so significant. The other thing that I'll say, and I pointed this out on my telegram station, today, link is in the description, is that the, this is a guy, ZNO, says this is called a ratio, Kevin, remove yourself from the speakership. This is common. So uh, Matt, or, so McCarthy tweeted out, bring it on, and you see right there, he's got 4,200 likes and 2.3 million uh, reach. Uh, Matt Gates says, just did, which means he just filed it, and it's got 15,000 likes and a 700,000 person reach. So, so ZNO, I want you to, I want you to look at this. This is how social media works. ZNO, Raymond Zeno, that guy right there, he is, his meaning here is that Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, doesn't have the support that Matt Gates does. Now, in in our in our reductive, simplistic social media narrative landscape. This is a clapback. This is an own. This is an L for McCarthy. He got owned. Oh, did you see that ratio? But in the real world, that there's nothing there. The 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 repudiation, the rebu this is not a rebuke of McCarthy. Do you think that McCarthy is looking at tweet ratios to make his decisions? And of course, the subtext here is that there's somehow power 
in, in data metrics, or at least presentation of how many likes, comments, shares, subscribers, followers, and how much your reach is, the folly here is that instead of truth, there is the, the presentation of reach. And this is one of the fundamental, I believe, fundamental flaws in our current understanding of law and power and truth and justice and righteousness. Is that if Zeno stands as a normal person, and if he is making the same mistake that most other people will make today, and that is that Speaker McCarthy's reach is much bigger, but his support and the, the heart emoji is much smaller than Matt Gates. The takeaway from the average person is that Gates is right because his social media account depict more support than McCarthy's. This is just dumb. This is like grade school when we say, who here likes vanilla ice cream? Ice cream, me. Who here likes chocolate ice cream? Me. Okay, more people like vanilla than chocolate. You still gotta go buy the ice cream. You still gotta go make the ice cream. And if someone doesn't provide you the ice cream, then you guys are just taking votes on who likes which ice cream. You're not really doing anything. You're just little kids. This is this. Our, our understanding of the law, our understanding of power is so stupid that this is going to pass. This is what passes for punditry. This is what passes for commentary. This is why our nation is dying. Because we're dumb. We think with dumb brains about things that don't matter in ways that it's like, oh, got you. You suck. You're dumb. It's like, okay. My comment is... McCarthy is a Trump guy. And as long as McCarthy stays loyal to Trump, Trump's going to stay silent on this. Trump has his own issues with these court cases. We'll get to them. Trump wants to focus on the machines. Trump wants to focus on the border. Trump wants to focus on the stuff Trump wants to focus on. So all the attention that Matt Gates is righteously, I believe, garnering with making sure that there's a fiduciary responsibility to have a legislative process that is not globalist. I don't like the continuing resolutions. I don't like these big, massive, cromnibus bills. I hate those things. But you understand that that's the legislative sausage making. Trump's not going to get involved in that. So if Gates, who is a Trump guy, goes against McCarthy, who's a Trump guy, in you know at least on the superficial level, McCarthy has said stuff publicly against DeSantis for Trump. Trump is not going to go against McCarthy, no matter how much Gates turns the heat up because Trump doesn't care about the budget. Trump is the guy that added $6 trillion to the debt after the COVID lockdowns. Trump is not a budget guy. Trump is a guy, he's a Keynesian. He will absolutely take massive debt in order to do what he wants to do. That's what he's been doing his entire career. He is not a fiscal conservative. So to argue for fiscal conservatism, which is effectively what Gates is doing, is not Trump's brand, and he's doing it against McCarthy, who publicly went out against DeSantis in support of Trump. So Trump ain't gonna touch that. Which means now the fight is localized between Gates and McCarthy. So if Gates is able to bring the base from a social media perspective, but he can't really effectuate the elections because <laughs> the machines, and he and Gates won't be able to bring the money that McCarthy can do because McCarthy with the gavel can direct the sources of revenue, then the big dollar donors and the well-connected business types, the globalists will support McCarthy, which means McCarthy ain't gonna go nowhere. 
the one thing that I think Gates has going for him is is reframing the the context of Democrats. You own McCarthy. That's effective. And if things go Gates's way, which I hope they do, I think it'll be because of that reason. I don't know if they'll do that, but that that is that is my analysis on that. The next thing I want to talk about is this this pulled fire alarm. This is dumb, but again, it represents kind of where we are. Watch this. I guess somebody pulled a fire alarm. Um, Democratic Congressman uh, Jamal Bowman is under investigation for pulling a fire alarm in the House uh, Cannon Office Building. Bowman's uh, was identified by security footage, and uh, his office says this was just an accident. Um, you know, I, I don't know who, how you accidentally pull on a, a fire alarm, SC, but um, they, I mean, and all kidding aside, they are taking this somewhat seriously. This is no joking matter up on Capitol Hill, as juvenile as it sounds. Yeah, at best it's childish. At worst, this is obstruction of Congress or obstruction of an official proceeding. Those are real things. And I don't know if he did this intentionally and we'll have to wait to see. And we certainly shouldn't impugn him before we know more. We know yeah. he pulled it. He admits that. Um, why is, is the question. If it was intentional, that's real serious. And frankly, reeks of the sort of stunts that, you know, Republicans try to try to pull sometimes. And don't be like Republicans. Don't be don't be like Republicans. I know things are tense and, you know, the stakes are high, but don't be like Republicans. So Essie Cub is a form. She's a former conservative. She's supposed to be the conservative voice on MSNBC, and her framing is that don't be like Republicans. So you see the stupidity of Bowman, who's a moron and did this on purpose. She'd go to jail for the same reasons that uh, J Sixers should be doing, uh, but J Sixers were encouraged. Bowman wasn't encouraged by Capitol Police to do what he did. J Sixers were. So. I believe that J6ers should go free and Bowman should be in prison, amen. But it's this idea that you're now going to, as the MSDNC, you're going to take this and reframe it as a Republican Democrat. No, this, this dude did something. He should suffer the consequences for it. But you have to in, order to, in order to justify the stupidity and the wrongdoing of their people, these people will go back to the tribal tendencies. This is why you don't give your identity to politics. Don't give your identity to the Republican Party, to the radical left, or to the right. It's Christ. Matthew 12, verse 30. You're either with Christ or you're against Christ. Period. Those are the categories. When you think like that, it will cut through all this other stuff because you will not give your identity, your bias, your preference, your emotion, psychology, your gut reaction will be able to be moved and manipulated. Jeremiah 17, nine says the human heart is wicked who can know it. So if Satan, demons, globalists, whomever, know how to push, poke, prod, influence, lever, and manipulate your emotions, they will. They absolutely will. I believe whenever Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden and he goes, Has, hath God said? He instilled doubt in God. And then he says that you can't eat from all these trees. Satan was actually using the pride. He was levering the pride of being with God that Adam and Eve had to misconstrue, instill doubt into God's law, be fruitful and multiply, eat of all the uh, trees except for this one. Right? God's, God's first commandment was, was bountiful, it was permissive, it was liberty facilitating, it was awesome, it was perfect. 
just, just don't, don't eat the fruit from this one tree. tree. That's, That's it. Just don't, don't do this one thing because something bad happens. Very simple. Very simple. And, and Satan seems to lever the pride of Adam, or excuse me, lever the pride of Eve in order to say, are you really going to, you know, you, did God really say that you can't do all this? And then what does she do? She adds to God's word. She says that we can't, uh, we can't touch it, we can't eat it, we can't do it. She adds to it. So by going at her beliefs and challenging her beliefs, he, uh, he effectuates her pride, which means now she can add to what God says. So he installed doubt, and then he attacked the pride that her proximity with God, they're walking with God in the cool of the evening. Now she adds to the adds to God's word by saying, we can't touch. Well, God never said you couldn't touch the fruit. He said you can't eat it. So you're now saying you can't touch it. So now you've just created religion. You have what God says, and then you created something approximate to it based on your pride, thinking you know better than God. And you do it under the subtext of being obedient to God. This is, this is the strictness of God's word. This is how much God cares about what he says. And if you add from it, or if you add to it, or take away from it, woe unto you. Amen. So here you have people that are reducing this, this fire alarm pulling Democrat. And they're, they're, they're couching that is, that was a wrong. But then they very quickly start poking, prodding, and labeling people according to these identities. And people will fall into those categories because they don't ground their thinking with Jesus. Instead of beginning with Jesus Christ, and you're either with Christ or against Christ, people will allow themselves to be placed in a group and then they can be attacked. Don't do that. That's wrong. This next idea I want to uh, bring up is that AOC is upgrading. Watch this. I, I vociferously disagree with any assertion that progressivism is somehow incompatible with fiscal responsibility. Progressivism believes in making investments that actually have returns. She is dumb, but she is leveling up, and her base, the radical left, will absolutely support her. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. If you underestimate this woman, you do so at your own peril. She is peak feminism. She is entitlement. And she is right here. She is doing something to improve her craft using big words, vociferously. And everything she said doesn't make sense. But here's the thing. To the people who support her, it doesn't have to. It just has to sound good. So if fiscal responsibility is something that people are concerned about because all the money is going all over the place to Ukraine and this and that, by her just saying fiscal responsibility, it doesn't have to be true. It just has to sound true to people who like her. And by her saying vociferously, people are going to be like, well, that's a really big word. I don't know what that means. So she just took a big word and said stuff that sounds good, and now that assuages my fears. I don't have to really know anything or do anything because people like her, look at her, she's doing stuff. She's going she's gonna to be a U.S. Senator. Uh, she might be president <laughs> one day. If we don't fix the elections, she'll be president one day. Um, this woman is evil. I believe that she's easily manipulated, but she's also evidence of where our society is. Um, she should be, in my opinion, she should be uh, with child, at home, nurturing uh, the bloodline that she's created with one man so that she can nurture that bloodline and build nations and educate that ch those children to glorify God, honor their father and mother, and live in accordance with what the Bible says. Instead, she is leveling up, and she will be very influential in American politics to come. 
Next thing I want to do is I want to talk about Mike Lindell and the IRS. Watch this. This is bad, but we're going to unpack these layers. Listen to what he says. We'll come back and we'll, we will use the law. Silencing our voices and, and, uh, and, and taking down our country and this economy and, they, and what a way to do it than attack where my money comes from. You know, they yeah. attack that platform. But this, they made it personal to me now. These are, these are moms working from home that all these employees working from home. We don't have a call center, Steve, that answers overseas. You can't understand the language. They've been with me from the start. We have our own call center. We have our own technology. I've done every part of my pillow. We do ourselves. We don't hire it out to, you know, overseas and you don't understand the operator or whatever. And for them to attack them and say, You're, you can't be contract labor anymore. That's what these audits are all about. It's disgusting. They work off commission, everybody, and you can help them by, by calling that 1-800 873-1062 and you help yourself. Get all these right now while we're putting them all on sale because I'll tell you what, an exclusive to War Room, get the best gifts you can ever give. Get your Christmas presents early. It helps everything we're doing right now to help save us, uh, our country. Uh, Mike, thank you so much. Tell the folks there, particularly the uh, the call center folks, uh, we got their back, the factory's back. Uh, we're not gonna let them put you out of business. We're all there. Now, the violation here is a couple different things. My pillow is an entity that's in commerce, which means the government has created it. When you go to form an LLC, you don't form it. The state does. When the state creates something, the state controls that thing. So if you want to go into business, you go to the government and you say, I want an LLC, a limited liability corporation, or an S corp, or a C corp, or any other type of entity in order to perform or to participate in commerce. A couple different things. And I guess I'm being, re okay, I'm reconnected. All right, amen, God bless. A couple different things. There's a maxim of law that says he controls that which he creates. So if the state controls your entity that does business, if the state creates it, the state controls it. So Mike Lindell is being audited by the IRS because Mike Lindell's business was created by the government. If Mike Lindell were in a private membership association, this, the government wouldn't have created Mike Lindell's MyPillow. But because the government did create Mike Lindell's MyPillow, the government has the power and the authority to go up into his business and demand papers and records and keepings and bank accounts and all sorts of stuff. This is talking about the jurisdiction. Jurisdiction is the power and the capacity to act. So if the state controls, if the state, if the state creates a company, the state controls that company. You can administer the company, but you do it in agreement with what the state says you have to do. So when the IRS comes and says, we're going to audit you, they're coming to Mike Lindell auditing a creation of the government. So the IRS can do that. Now in this, and I've got uh, tax seminars in my Telegram channel, just go there, subscribe, and you can do stuff. It's for free, it's free stuff. The IRS is operating under Title 26. Title 26 is non-positive law. It's never passed Congress. So Mike Lindell, in my humble opinion, 
should be looking at uh, the IRS and rebutting that presumption, the IRS will say, you have to fall under Title 26. Using this notion of Title 26, we are auditing you. That is a presumption. Title 26 has never passed Congress, therefore it is prima facie, first face. At the first face, it looks like it's law. But if something is prima facie evidence, it is not evidence of the law. So evidence of the law would be responding, Mike Lindell, his attorneys, who won't do this because they get paid by the hour, his attorneys bringing the real evidence of the law. And in that case, I would look at what the government has laid out for businesses to be audited. I, you know, if, if we're talking income tax, you swim all the way back up to the 1913 Tariff Act. In this particular instance, I don't know what the statute would be, but I know that the presumption is that Title 26 is uh, the law. I know that the uh, state has created my pillow, therefore the state controls my pillow, and because Mike Lindell has contracted his employees or his, you know, his, his labor to do stuff, the IRS is going to target that. And because the IRS and because Congress has never passed Title 26, it can pass whatever it wants because it ain't got to go through Congress. So they can change, manipulate, and adjust whatever they want to in order to come after you, which is why it's critical that you understand presumptions. So please pray for uh, Mike Lindell, my pillow. But I mean, like that's that's those are the issues in the law. I want to take a break if I can. Remember, remind you just to do the patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. You literally have no podcaster on the internet giving this specific analysis. It does not exist. Not with this consistency, not with this clarity, not with taking an everyday thing and bringing it to the fundamental law. That doesn't happen. My teacher, Dave Jose, doesn't do a daily thing, but whenever he does it, he does it better than me. He does it more specifically than I do. Amen. But here, every single day, we're bringing the fundamental law with stories of the day. And so if the Patriot community likes Mike Lindell and they don't want my pillow to go under, understand what the fundamental law is and they won't touch you because you will be able to tell them what the law is. Now here's where the skeptics come in. So the best way to support me there is to go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. That's where I was going with that. I was trying to say how you can help me, but in turn I turned it around to say, here's what we can do to help Americans and Mike Lindell. The, the, there will be skeptics who hear this. And they will say, well, okay, that might be the law, but that's not what people do. First of all, you didn't know what I just said. The skeptics don't know what the law is. And so they're skeptical and cynical whenever they hear the law, because when they hear the law, they go, well, that's just too good to be true. No, it's not too good to be true. Christ is king. He physically rose from the grave. Whenever he gave us the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Christians believe that. We believe the gospel, we believe the Bible, and our founding fathers created a Christian nation for Christian people to live their faith, and they, they girded the government, they bound the government in constitutions where people have all political power because that's a biblical concept. That's a biblical teaching. That's a New Testament Christian church belief. True. No argument. And because that's the truth, our founders believed that they gave it to us and it's never been told to you. 
And because you've never been told that, now that you hear it and you say, well, Jaron doesn't know, he hasn't been to law school, he's not an attorney, you hear that and you go, well, how can you know it and none of these other big people do? Well, think about it, bro. If, if we're telling what the fundamental law is and it slices right through all the tyranny, wouldn't that mean that you're free? Wouldn't that mean you have rights and that no one can trespass your rights? This is basic middle school civics, dude. And if you don't believe it, it's because you don't believe what's written, which is an issue of faith, or you're afraid of the consequence now that you do hear it, that you have to do now that you know the truth. Because now that you know the truth, you know that you need to tell government, you need to govern the government, you need to instruct your people, and you're afraid to do something about it, which is why people don't do stuff. They're afraid they're gonna get in trouble. When you know what your rights are, you know that the government can't trespass you, and the, a republic, is it's, a, its administration is open to all people, which means you should be telling the government what to do. You should be reminding them of the law. You should be telling them, hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to. This is what, you're, this is what you swore to. This is what the law is, and you're not doing it. Correct it. That is our duty. When Franklin told the lady, we gave you a republic, if you can keep it, that's exactly what he meant. He meant that as long as Christians believe the Bible and fear God more than they fear government, is if government was not to become an idol, people had to stay in the fear of the Lord. Uh, what was it? Proverbs 3, verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. When God corrects you, don't be weary. Don't go away from it. And if he continually does it, it just shows how loving he is, how enduring he is. That's where we are right now. And there will still be people who don't believe it who will continue to suffer as a result. Now, I want to get to Trump, his judge, uh, and, and some of those other ideas. So this is um, this is President Trump. What was I going to say? This is, um, this is President Trump talking about the judge dismissing 80% of his case. I will uh, start it. Hold on. Well, I think that was very good. I'll start it. And then I will, where is, where's my thing? So I'll move this up. Okay, now I will do this. And I'll lower myself into the corner so we can do some analysis. I'll lock it in and uh, we will keep going. That last five minutes was outstanding. Because the judge essentially conceded that the statute of limitations that uh, we want at the Court of Appeals. Statute of limitation, we're already not talking about Trump's rights. We're talking about statutes. A statute of limitation literally is an enactment of the legislature. So already we're talking about language involving a case that is not about Trump's rights. We're talking about something that the government has determined, which really means that there's some lawyers and some lobbyists and people's paws are in the cookie jar so that they can prosecute and have court cases. A statute of limitation, if you look at it from the lawyer's perspective, means that they have a short amount of time to go do a case. Your rights have no statute of limitation. If someone stole my car 30 years from, 30 years ago, I can go back 30 years from I can go back into 30 years from now. 30 years from now, I can go back 30 years and get justice for that. There is no time restriction. There is no statute of limitation on rights trespass. 
So when Trump is talking about there's a statute of limitation, he's already talking about stuff that lawyers and lobbyists are involved in. He is not talking about his rights. Is it effect? Therefore, about 80% of the cases over. I was going to come out and say that, as you know, we're not entitled to a jury, which is pretty unusual in the United States of America. So, so 80% of the case is thrown out. Think about that. Four-fifths of the case is thrown out against him. The Bible would say, um, you know, every word must be established by two or three witnesses. We only care about what's written. We, with the fundamental law, the people, the political power, the, the Constitution is an express trust document, which means only what is written is permitted. What is not written cannot be smuggled in, cannot be interpreted in, cannot be wedged in. So when Trump has 80% of the case thrown out, that tells you that the case that was brought against him had all sorts of stuff, like just throwing it up against the wall. We're going to take all this stuff and throw it against Trump and see what sticks. That is not responsible. That is bad law. That is, um, it's sloppy. And in my opinion, it reflects the way that that law is understood by lawyers and law schools and judges and attorneys and politicians. We're going to take this laundry list of stuff and just throw it up against you. That's what Satan does. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He's going to say, here's a bunch of stuff. And we're going to take all this and throw it up against you. That that So that lawyers who do that are doing what Satan does. Instead, we're going to break them with simplicity. And you just heard, I'll rewind it just a little bit. You just heard Trump say that he was denied a trial by jury. Watch this. I'm going to come out and say that, as you know, we're not entitled to a jury, which is pretty unusual in the United States of America. So. No, it's not unusual. It's unlawful. If Trump's rights are at stake, if Trump has a liberty interest at stake, he's guaranteed a trial by jury. Guaranteed. So the fact that he's deprived the trial by jury, either A, his judge, his, his lawyers waived it, which is freaking wrong, uh, or B, they're in some type of proceeding that goes against fundamental law. I don't have to have gone to law school to look at the procedures and the process to recognize if Trump isn't given a trial by jury, his rights are being trespassed. That's basic. The, tr the right to trial by jury is inviolate. You can't take it away. So the fact that Trump is in a case and there's no trial by jury, already that case is in bad form of law and it's trespassing his, 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 his rights. He or his attorneys, and his attorneys won't do this because they get paid by the hour, but his attorneys need to tell the judge, there's no jury, what's the deal? What's the deal, judge? And, and there's gonna be attorneys that are like, well, Jerry, you don't understand because you're not an attorney because there's a, just stop. The right to trial by jury is part of due process of law, period. When there's a liberty interest of one of the people involved, Trump is one of the people, they're coming after him because of his business dealings, when his liberty interests are involved, he is guaranteed a trial by jury. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. That is fundamental law. I think it's very unfair that I don't have a jury, but uh, the judge's last statement was very fair. And if I read it right, I'll let perhaps one of the lawyers speak to it. Maybe you'll speak to it if you would. 
But uh, the way I interpret that and the way everyone else in the room seems to interpret that is that the statute of limitations uh, is a very real thing in this country. Yeah, uh, so he said, maybe I'll have one of my attorneys speak to that. And they immediately started like looking amongst themselves who's going to talk. And he, uh, he says, the way that we interpret that, no, no interpretation. The law is not interpreted. The law is declared. The law is not interpreted. The law is declared. It means what it means. And if you, in your brain right now, says, well, that's your interpretation, you have just given yourself the postmodernist Gnostic out to undermine truth. And as soon as you say that's your interpretation, what you've just done is you've now, you've now undermined that law, that truth, from ever having certainty. And by doing that, you mean that it doesn't exist. It literally now doesn't exist. If judges interpret the law, then judges make the law. Because if they can interpret the law, if one judge interprets one thing and one judge interprets another thing, then both judges have taken what the law was and they've made it something what it was not. And this is what it means by having an express public trust. It means what it says. It does not mean or include what it does not say. Which is why you study to say what it says and you don't study stupid judges' interpretations. We don't care about case law. We don't care about what judges interpret. We don't care about those things because those things are not the law. If you go to, you know, if, if God says, Thou shalt not murder, he meant don't murder. And Jesus, whenever Jesus came to the Sermon on the Mount, he says, You have said thou shalt not murder, but I say unto you, if you uh, have anger in your heart against your brother without cause, it's the same as though you've murdered him. That's Jesus, God in the flesh, telling you what God meant. He's not interpreting. He's declaring what the law means. And you have to understand this, because if the, if the law can be interpreted, then you have no law. And this is why attorneys today will look at judges as though they're so high. Because if the judge is declaring, if the judge is determining what the law is, you're gonna, if it pleases the court, if if it pleases the court, may I please have my judgment? Will you please rule in my favor? And this is where you get attorneys saying, it would be really bad if this judgment went against my client, making emotional appeals, making, you know, just this is bad and this is horrible. No, 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 no. You straight up don't have a trial by jury in this thing, Judge. It's bad form of law. What you doing in here? You are sworn to the Constitution to give this man a trial by jury. You're not giving him a trial by jury. You are using your powers in a prohibited fashion as an enemy against that guy. You are at war with him and the United States. Thus saith the law. There's no interpretation. Does he have a trial by jury? No, then he's deprived of right. If he's deprived of right, then the power of government is doing what it cannot do. Period. So this this hurts me when President Trump says that, you know, as I interpret it correctly, no, President Trump. And this, and God bless him, he doesn't know the fundamental law. He doesn't know his rights. He knows what his attorneys are telling him. And because his attorneys have told him that this is what's going on, when the judge says we're gonna throw out 80% of the case, Either A, the judge said 80% of the case, or B, his attorneys told him 80% of the case. And in Trump's mind, as a business guy, he's going to look at that and be like, well, shoot, that's most of the case. That's a really big deal. And it is. 
but his brain doesn't think through the fundamental law, which is to say that he won't recognize the fact that the prosecutor took a bunch of crap and just threw it at him. And whenever he says it's unfair, he doesn't have a trial by jury, that's his instincts, knowing what his rights are, but he doesn't know how to express that, and his attorney should be all over that. But they're not. They're not all over that. You, you, gotta, you gotta ask why. Let's keep going. And that would be about 80% of this case would be over. Could somebody speak to that, please? Based on the judge's comments at the end of the hearing, at the end of the trial today, it would appear that he is agreeing that all the transactions that closed prior to 2014 are now out of the case. Right, so this case is all about whatever the uh, legislature wrote. So if the judge agrees that what the legislature wrote, which was a statute of limitation, one, we're not talking about rights. Two, the judge is in a position to say, okay, this is before then, so it's out. Which means the judge isn't interpreting. The judge is literally declaring what the law says. In this case, the stupid statute. And you can make statutes in pursuance of the Constitution. But if a right is involved, those statutes are irrelevant because your rights precede. The Constitution and laws precede the judiciary. Which means a judge can't interpret something that's upstream from the Constitution because there's nothing upstream from the fundamental law. You've got God, people, the Constitution. God, people, law. Right? That's the flow. And so government, which down here, can't make a decision about stuff that's upstream. So whenever this attorney is saying, yeah, he agrees that uh, the statute says. No, 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 no. He's declaring what the statute says. He's not interpreting what the statute says. He's declaring what the statute says. And the effect of the statute being declared is that all the crap that Trump is being prosecuted for before uh, 2014 is out, done, declared. Which is about 80% of the case. And it's also uh, something that we want on appeal but was not accepted by this court, but now seems to be accepted by this court. Yeah, uh, okay, so now we go to the next one. This is Trump, this is the judge in the case. This is Trump's judge, go ahead. Now, I'm gonna say something controversial, even while I'm being taped. Juries get it wrong a lot. That's my own. Stop, he said, I'm gonna say something controversial even though I'm being taped. This is the judge. This is the judge saying he's gonna say something controversial even though he's being taped. So he has an awareness that it will be used, but let's just see what he says, keep going. Opinion, I do only civil trials. Personal injury cases, contract disputes, but I've had situations where, like, oh my, my heaven's heaven sake. sake. So he's not going to say, oh my God, because he he's probably a Jew, because Jews won't say God, they won't say the Lord, they won't say those things. They'll say stuff like that in place. Um, so his faith, I, I don't think he's a Christian, but. That's not necessarily the issue here, although that is downstream why he thinks the way that he thinks. But whenever he's saying this stuff, he only does civil, and he's going to see what the jury says, and he's going to disagree with what the jury says. But now he's going to get into the position of if the jury says something and he doesn't agree with it. Keep in mind that Trump doesn't have a jury in the trial with him. How could they have thought that? This is now the judge with knowledge of the law, he's supposed to be an expert in the law. And he's going to look at what the jury says. And he's going to say, how could you think that? Which automatically says that there's his assessment of a case, 
and the jury's verdict in the case. And those two things are distinct. Do not lose that. Do not lose that the judge's uh, thinking on a case can and is different, can be and is different than what the jury says. That is distinct. That distinction is a court of record. That distinction is the common law. That's what he's describing. Well, I have a, um, I have a tool that I can deal with that. It's called jury notwithstanding the verdict, judgment notwithstanding the verdict. That is a hoax. It is not the common law. What he's going to do right here is he's going to say something that's true, but it omits the fact that the jury can nullify the law. So in the common law, a jury of your peers can look at what the law is and what the facts are. That's what the jury does. The jury is actually the judge. The judge is just the magistrate, which means he's making sure that the court proceedings follow proper form. He's a referee. You know, whenever you watch a, you know, an NFL game, whenever you watch football, the referee isn't throwing the pass. The referee, the referee isn't making the tackle. It shouldn't be. Whenever you watch a baseball game, the umpire doesn't pick up the bat and swing. The umpire isn't throwing the pitch. Whenever you watch tennis, let's say that you're a homosexual, you watch tennis. When you watch tennis, the, the, the umpire is sitting at the side watching the things go back and forth. He's not the guy that chases down the ball and throws it to the player. He's not the guy that picks up the racket and swings. The referee is to the side, out of the way, to make sure it follows proper form. That's what magistrates do, which is why judges don't interpret law. They declare it. Their tool is that they've gotten power from the Constitution, and they use it to make sure proper form is followed, and they declare the law. They don't interpret the law. They declare it. Here he's saying that he has a tool, and his tool is that he can say, uh, judgment notwithstanding the verdict. So he is, in his mind, he has just said, the jury only declares the verdict, the which, is, which is the jury judging the facts of the case. So if, if I, um, let's say me and you have a contract dispute and there's a jury, if the jury judges in my favor based on the facts presented, the jury is judging the facts in my favor. So he is saying, judgment notwithstanding the verdict, he is saying, if the jury judges the facts in my favor, he can overrule that verdict. But that is, that's him omitting the fact that the jury, as the judge, the jury can say that the law is stupid. This is called jury nullification. The jury judges the facts and the law. So if the jury looks at the facts and says, Jaron killed that guy, but they look at the law and say he was doing it in self-defense, the jury could say he would be guilty because he did kill the guy, but that law is stupid because you shouldn't be charged with murder if you're defending your family, uh, whatever. So the law trumps the facts. And it, let, let's say this. Let's say that this, the, the legislature writes a, writes a statute. And the statute said, like, like tax code, the tax code. If the tax code says you have to pay income tax, the jury can, well, first of all, you don't get a jury in income tax cases because you go to the tax court. And the tax court ain't a court, but that's another issue. But let's say that you did have a jury. 
if you did have a jury and a tax issue, the jury could literally look at the facts and say, yeah, Jaron didn't fill out these papers. So yeah, he didn't fill out the papers. But we're the jury and we think that law is stupid. So that law doesn't apply. We're going to get rid of it. That is called jury nullification. The jury looking at the law saying we don't like the law. Now why, in the fundamental law, why can the jury do that? The jury can do that because all political power is in the people. The reason why the judge doesn't interpret the law but declares the law is because he is bound by the law. The jury is not bound by the law and they can judge the law. So if the jury looks at the instance because every case is looked at individually. I am not you, you are not me, we are not this dude. And so our individual cases are looked at at an individual level, which is why case law is a hoax. It's why it's a lie. It's why it's such a trespass on your liberty because, and he's going to speak to it. Well, this case is like this case. No, it's not. I was, I was not in that case. I am in this case. So because I am in this case and I'm not in that case, those cases are not the same. They're completely different. This is why case law is a hoax, it's why it's bad, it's wicked, it's evil, get rid of it. But let's say that the jury looks at the, the law and says, yeah, we don't like that, get rid of it. They can do that because that's a bunch of image bearers of God with all political power in this instance sworn to do their duty for justice and they could do their duty by telling the judge and everybody else the law is stupid. And he knows that, but he omits that which is why he is now saying, even though he's being recorded, he is now saying, well, uh, I have a tool, and that tool is judgment notwithstanding the verdict. This godless commie isn't actually telling the truth about the law. He's a product of law school. He is a professional in this despotic, wicked, tyrannical, unlawful, unconstitutional system that we have today. And if it were brought to his attention, the jury can judge both the facts and the law. He would be like, holy crap, Casey Smith. We, we, we. They don't want that getting out. The godless commies don't want that truth out there because if you know that, why would you hesitate to go to court whenever you can look at people on your side and say, listen, folks, you guys can nuke the entire proceeding just by saying it's dumb because you guys could be in my position. These people are coming after me. They can come after you. And if they can come after you, and wouldn't you want to know if you're in my position that you guys can tell them to go shove it? Yeah. So you guys support me and tell these guys to go shove it. Done. Like that is, that is our system. That is the common law. That is our system. And this guy's bragging about the fact that he's got tools of judgment notwithstanding the verdict. Go ahead. I can say there is no possible way that a reasonable jury would have reached that conclusion. He doesn't have, that dude doesn't have the power and it's not granted to him to override the jury, to characterize the jury as reasonable or not. He can't do that. That is overstepping his bounds. That is an abuse of power. That's why. That's why he said, even though I'm being recorded, I'm going to say something controversial. Because what he just did was he said he goes against fundamental law. And if you don't know fundamental law, to assert fundamental law, you get judges like this godless commie that trespass it and say it even though they know they're being recorded. 
And all right, am I following the law or am I making law? Bingo. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm following law. I'm, I'm an impartial referee. You see how he's repeating what I told you? He he is saying what the found what he is saying what the fundamentals are. But you see, he's just kind of doing it like it doesn't really matter. That's because people don't know the fundamentals. Don't miss this. Don't miss that this godless commie is saying what the fundamentals are, but he's omitting part of them, and he's kind of diminishing them. Well, you know, I'm kind of a referee. No, 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 that, that is what you are, period. You don't get to stray from that. And because attorneys don't argue this, and attorneys don't argue this, because they get paid hourly. They get paid hourly. It is to their benefit to elongate cases. Now again, some of them want the reputation to win so they can get more cases, but in the interest of justice, if you got a judge that's like, you know, I'm kind of a referee, no, 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 stop. You are, you swore to it, period, done. You declare the law, you don't interpret the law. But it's hard to factor out my own emotions. And I have tools, somebody can say, well, Your Honor, you have to throw out this case because it's just like another case. That's case law, that's case law. So him saying he has to factor out his personal bias, this is judicial notice. Judicial notice is evidence. So a judge has a tabula rasa, a blank slate. His mind doesn't know anything judicially which means in the law, nothing is brought in front of him as a justiciable matter until he gives notice. So he goes into a court, he's in the room, and people are talking to him. When people talk to him, they bring stuff. He's just sitting here like this, and all of a sudden they bring stuff in front of him. Okay, now I see that there's a pen. And then he just sits there and it's like, okay, now I see that there's another pen. Like that is judicial notice. You have to bring it to them judicially, which is also why we give notice. We give notice so that way a judge is like this and we go, oh, okay, got it. I take note. I take notice of what you tell me. Now I know judicially what you told me. Because until you told me, I'm not supposed to know it judicially. I'm supposed to be an impartial referee. That's what he's, that's what he's explaining. Well, is it just like another case? What if the defendant was wearing a red sweater instead of a blue sweater? And here is where the lawyers are woe unto them. Jesus says in Luke eleven fifty two, woe unto you lawyers for ye have hidden the key of knowledge. What this godless kami just did, he just demonstrated the very fine granular nuance of what happens when you import bad thinking, when you import case law into your into your pleadings, when you say, well, judge, this case is just like that case. What you are saying in the strict interpretation of the law is these cases are exactly the same. You are saying they are exactly the same because if they're exactly the same, you have to get the same outcome or else justice doesn't exist. Justice has to be equitable. It has to be righteous. It has to be consistent. When you argue case law, you're arguing this case is exactly like this case and they are the same so you have to give me the same judgment but if this case involved your neighbor and this case involved your you know someone across the world they are not the same because even though they still contain people those people are not the same people 
You were made for a purpose. You were made uh, you know, for Christ's glory. And if you're in Christ, if you believe the gospel, you're born again, you've been baptized, you repent of your sin, Jesus knows you. He gives you your specific name. And because he knows you individually, why would you ever conflate the fact that what Christ gave you is what he gave somebody else? He may give other people the right to liberty, and he does, because he's good. But their right to liberty is equal to mine, but that doesn't mean that I have to use my liberty like they use theirs. We have different talents, different opportunities, different networks, different everything. So if, if there's an issue arising from my liberty, you can't treat my liberty like you just treated his in that case. The facts are different. We're different people, different motivations, different ways of thinking. You have to do case by case by case by case by case. That's the common law. What this dude just did was he's riffing on the hypothetical uh, directions of some, of some attorney directing him, which is what attorneys are taught. Attorneys are taught to motion the court, to nudge the court, to direct the judge. That's what they are taught. And they are taught this system that isn't based on fundamental law, but process. And right here, he's acknowledging that system in this hypothetical when he says, this attorney is going to say, well, this case is just like this case. And what does he do? He dials up the nuanced, granular, uh, you know, anal retentive, hyper-specific linguistics. And he says, well, this guy had a red sweater and this guy didn't. So they're not exactly the same. Which shows you the disingenuousness of this man's heart. It shows you that if he's in a bad mood, it shows you that if he really wants to screw you over, if you are in his court, if your liberty is at stake with this dude, this guy is showing you he can get incredibly Nat's ass tight if he wants to, which then means your liberty is in his hands and that's not what the Constitution secures. The Constitution secures your rights. And this dude only has power because he swore that your rights were secured by the Constitution. Your rights aren't secured by the Constitution if he's going to say, well, you know, you're wearing a red sweater and he's not wearing a red sweater, so they're completely different and I'm going to throw out the jury's verdict. If we don't know the law, we get crushed. If you don't know this stuff, you get crushed by this guy. And this guy is flippantly saying it. He's saying the quiet part out loud. And again, there's literally... Nobody on the internet talking about this. So if you want to support me, the link's in the description below. Amen. Let's keep going. Oh, and, and by the way, I worked for the Columbia Daily Spectator for a couple of weeks. What happened was I went there every day and I wrote a few stories. One I got criticized on because I wrote that some Ku uh, Klux Klaners had murdered some people and, and I was told, you can't say that. How do you know? You weren't there. So he's speaking about a witness. Amen. So he's, he's, he's making a declaration, a statement of fact, not they're alleged or I believe or whatever. He's calling them murders, which is a statement. Amen. Keep going. Anyway, yeah, we should have absolute immunity. What if we defame somebody? Uh, defame is a lawyer word. Defame is not a law word. The, law, the word in the law is reputation. You care about your reputation. What you don't care about is your fame. You know, there's infamy, which is like you're 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 bad famous, like you're you're famous in a bad way. But you have a right to reputation. Defamation 
that that's a lawyer word. That's a lawyer word that basically says people said stuff and you don't like it. And because they use defamation law, now they're taking you into the land of the statute instead of the land of common law. Your reputation, your reputation is what you care about. Defamation law is not, defamation law is the lawyer's words to go after and to sue for reputation instead of the common law, we're gonna go after our reputation. It's, it's very similar ideas, but defamation is not a common law word. Um, that's how it usually comes up. You know, you call somebody a murderer or a heroin addict, that sort of thing, a pedophile. And if it's done in court, yeah, I think we should have absolute immunity. Yeah, the, the guys, so in this, I think what he's talking about is if someone calls something something else in court that you should have immunity. I want to actually agree with him here because if something's said in court, it's going to be under oath. And if something is said under oath, then that person's held accountable for it. So you're not immune to what you say, you're actually accountable for it. But if you say it and it's what you believe, the person has to demonstrate harm, has to demonstrate injury from being called that. And if you are called, um, uh, if you are called a murderer or a pedophile, or whatever, in court, and it's under oath, um, then that person's going to be held accountable for that. But you would have to demonstrate the damage. The damage could not be well. That swayed the jury, and now the jury says I'm I'm guilty. Well, in that case, the jury was the judge of that testimony, and you can't be, because that's the jury's job. Anyway, this this guy who's who's uh, who this guy threw out 80% of the case against Trump. Which tells you that even though that this guy has all these leanings and these bias, and he's willing to say it, he still declared what the law said. So you you can't get away from the fact that the dude said what the law said, and he acted on it. You have to see that, which is why we look at the fundamental law, we look at the state legislation, and we look at the state constitutions, we look at the maxims, and we don't we we prove all things. The Bible says, "Prove all things." Hold fast that which is good. When we don't prove all things, we open ourselves up for bad thinking. We open ourselves up for little omissions that if you don't know, if you haven't squared your corners and you don't know the fundamentals, you will get destroyed. This dude has destroyed, I'm sure, lots of people's liberty because of those omissions and people don't know them. And if you've never been taught the fundamental law, now is the time to learn because freaking government's <laughs> on the on the move anyway uh, all of this to say is that this is for the proclamation of the gospel this is for god's glory uh you and i are sinners jesus paid the fine when jesus took the cross he did so out of love and obedience love for the father and obedience for the father and love for us and grace to us that salvation message concludes with jesus physically raising from the grave if you believe that Jesus physically rose from the grave, then you believe all of his teachings, which is why whenever he's telling you to repent, you repent, which is why whenever he's commanding you to be baptized, you're baptized. When he's commanding these things, you're doing them because you believe in him. You're doing them because you trust him. You do those because you love him. And whenever you are born again, you are a completely new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And it is now your walk with Christ. You will think differently. You will do differently. And by God's grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the revealed word, you will want to read the Bible. You will do what the Bible says. Even though the world thinks it's stupid, 
even though it doesn't make sense, uh, you will do it because you hear your shepherd's voice and you want to follow him to green pastures, to still waters, through the valley of the shadow of death. Appreciate your time. Uh, believe the gospel. Best way to support me is at that patriotswitch.com slash journalist. Be honest with yourself. There's nobody giving content like this for free. I just walked you through law school. I just, I just walked you through your ability to defend yourself in court if you really ever got there. Now, why is that important? Because it's your liberty, it's your freedom. And one way to say thank you to me is to switch your shopping from globalist companies to an American company. You can do that at patriotswitch.com slash jaren, patriotswitch.com slash jaren. There are other links in the description. For those of you guys who have already done it, thank you. For those of you guys who have already done it and want to keep supporting, there's ways to do that. The links are in the description. Appreciate your time. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Good war.